welcome to Industry Night, where I provide a platform for fellow service industry members from bartenders, servers, and hosts to food and beverage directors, chefs, and brand reps to share their stories, their knowledge, and their passions. A good friend of mine and prior bartender recently moved out of Nashville and back into a generic Midwest city. Like any true industry nerd, she quickly made friends with the local bartenders and found her new go-to bar. As they bonded over things like a well-done Negroni and a shot of Aperol or a Campari added to a high life, it also became apparent how different the resources and available connections were for this bar and the impact that had on their growth and the potential my friends saw if this same concept had been located in a bigger city. I've become accustomed to and spoiled by the logistics I find myself with being based in such a big hospitality-oriented city like Nashville. So I started reflecting on the ease of access to just about any brand rep I need and how easy it has been to schedule tastings and run promotions and events and host staff educations directly with parent companies that own a number of brands pretty much all bars across the country use. Every bar I frequent here is stacked with veteran bartenders who all have these insane passions and uh, wells of knowledge for some niche corner of this industry. And the wealth of that knowledge really astounds me. But here's the thing. Even with all of these resources, all of this knowledge, all of these connections and experiences and passions, there's an underlying theme where many of us don't really get to put that to use on the scale that it deserves. Unless we're talking to another industry person, we really have few opportunities to even speak at length about the areas we completely geek out on and have devoted a number of hours of research and development on. This is where I decided I could create and provide that space. I can carve out time and dedicate a place for more people to share their years and years of crazy and absolutely unhinged bar stories from the hundreds and hundreds of service industry workers here. I can build a platform to highlight all of these deep reserves of spirit education and share with people that do not have the same ease of access that we do here. I can share what it's really like working these jobs, choosing it as a career, trying to balance personal lives and romantic relationships with daywalkers. This podcast is not just for other industry nerds, although I do hope to do my industry peeps proud, but it's home for anyone looking for good stories, laughs, cool cocktail specs, more understanding of why bars and restaurants do or do not offer certain things or even tips on how to always get good bar service. I want to share it all. Now, who am I and why do you care? Well, hopefully we click and you vibe with me and the guests that I bring on here and you stick around because of that interviewer bar mom voice that I have that keeps you listening and obviously all the good content. I've been in this industry for about 12 years now and as I engage with guests on this new journey, You're going to hear about a lot of different concepts that I've worked in and how I ended up where I'm at now as a bar manager, beverage director, 
GM, full-time bartender, you name it, HR, um, at one of the best whiskey bars south of Kentucky. But that's been a long time coming, and my experience, like others that I hope to share, offers a lot to think about for those interested in jumping into the service industry, and for anyone who's ever thought, hey, it'd be cool to bartend, or to own a bar, let's open one. There's a lot of layers under that onion, I promise. So for a little context and insight about where my own tales are coming from, let me give you a little rundown and some stories along the way. I started as a poor college kid hostessing at a Mediterranean Italian restaurant next to the city's primary concert slash event venue. This was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. What is Mediterranean Italian? I still don't really know, to be honest with you. And I had this question asked to me at least once a day back then. And I'm pretty sure my answer was always a little bit different. Um, But this was the first time I learned how to sell an answer to people, regardless of what I knew or how I actually felt about something. Um, This is also the place where I was first introduced to the fast money, the bad habits, the unhealthy lifestyles that are an unfortunate but common theme within the industry, and the deep pocket special treatment regulars that we all know and love. Some we love to hate, others we hate to love, but we all know them. I didn't realize it then, but it really was this kind of catch-all establishment for industry cliches, like down to the hot, tatted, married (laughs) head chef who may or may not have had a fling with like every new girl that walked through our doors. I grew up in this scarcity mindset. And here I was finding myself working with servers who burned money at least three times as fast as I was earning it. Um, I remember them saying things like, if I have less than $1,000 in my bank account, that's when I know I'm broke. That's when I feel stressed. Y'all, I was making $300 a week, a week, like working full hostessing full time. I had never once had $1,000 in my bank account at one single time, let alone more than. So the concept of having only $1,000 was just like, woo. (laughs) But even though I knew these servers were clearly making so much more money than me, I was way too intimidated to train as a server there because of the extensive wine list, the culinary chef's tables, um, and overall the general level of knowledge and professionalism that I saw from the staff there. Um, And I overheard the intricate questions they were asked. Like this was not just like some vibe I was getting, like how was a dish prepared, where we sourced something from, But also, why did the chef use this technique? What region was this bottle from? Do we have any from that country? Um, Can we custom make this martini? I don't want that vermouth. Do you have this vermouth? Can we? Can we? Do you? Do you? It was a lot of questions. And I remember thinking, it could never be me. I am too late to the game. I mean, I was like 20 years old. It probably sounds silly to think 
that I felt like I was too late to the game when I was still so young. But at the time, remember, I was a college student. I was going to get my degree, leave this behind, and go into my real career. It was just a temporary way for me to pay my bills. I did not realize the money that could be made in the industry at the right concept, in the right city, working for the right people. I was definitely not looking at the bigger picture of like a six-figure bartender or servers who make enough money to work like two days a week. I mean, anyway, after about three years there, I burned myself out. No surprise. If you're an industry person, three years is like forever. Um, And I graduated with a shiny degree in clinical exercise science. And I thought I'd be done with the industry. I was going to do cardiac rehab. Psych. It was (laughs) the industry was the best money for the hours worked and provided me with a lot more autonomy. So I found myself back at it, but this time at Founders Brewing Company. Now, this was back in the good old days when it was still owned by Mike and Dave. And I was working with some of the best humans that I have ever met in my life. I started as a barback, hauling trash, deep cleaning every night. I mean, I'm talking... Double mopping, pulling out the ice wells, scrubbing the stainless behind them. It was the works. Frankly, I was blown away by how much cleaning we did. Um, This was also the first time I learned who cleaned the freaking bathrooms at bars and restaurants. (laughs) Like there's typically no cleaning crew that comes through. Y'all, it's your servers and your bartenders who are cleaning those bathrooms, okay? It's it's just us. No magic fairies. It's a lot of Clorox and spick and span turning those drunken decisions into history. And it's not the grunts either, by the way. It's not your newbies. Like, it's senior staff. Like, you get paid more, you have more responsibilities. Sometimes those responsibilities kind of suck. So, you know. <laughs> but overall, when I look back... I'm super grateful, though, that that was the standard I was left with because not all bars are that clean, like by a long shot. Anyway, I worked my way up to a server slash bartender, a.k.a. beer tender, as we sometimes called it, uh, because we didn't carry any wine or spirits or liquor of any kind. It was all beer. And after a little while longer, I was moved up into a senior server position. So to give you a little rundown and context for how things worked. We had our main taproom floor, which was very, very big. There were a ton of tables and they were all like community style tables. Um, There was a large stage. The bar itself kind of waved long through and was, I mean, it sat at least 30 people. I'm trying to remember if it was even 40. It was long. Um, Gosh, what, like 15 taps? behind the bar like it was a lot that was and that was just like one area there was also the brassworks section with the original brassworks bar from the brassworks building um over on another side with more tables high tops and low tops and then there was a whole garden bar outside which we ran that like really until we absolutely couldn't like there were heaters like and stuff out there so each area had servers slash bartenders, like one position that floated behind the bar and on the floor. There weren't like very rigid sections and there was definitely no like 
just person at like a well printer or something like if you had something ordered at a table then you went behind the bar and poured it um but there were seniors for each of those sections so like brassworks main floor and garden we would cut shifts kind of like a manager would we would also send everybody on breaks which was like an incredible thing looking back again now for non-industry people i'm sure that does not sound like a big exciting deal that we got breaks but industry people i'm sure are like what (laughs) you would go back into the break room you actually got 15 minutes to like sit down and eat and we had like an actual break room like we had somewhere to go um it was pretty incredible as a senior server other genuinely amazing bonuses i had a 401k um i had healthcare coverage pto um and i was interviewing at that time for the next open management position it felt like the holy grail uh later on especially in service industry terms i would learn that it really was minus the tip pooling but you know pick your battles and honestly i still didn't know how big of a deal that was especially because i was just so well supported by my coworkers. Like I honestly still get kind of emotional looking back in it at times. I remember this one time I was helping a table of guys build custom beer flights. When this guy comes up behind me, wraps his arm around my waist, like really low kind of across my hips and leans in and kisses me on the cheek. And I... I remember being so surprised by the like super casual but super intimate personal contact. I assumed it was a a friend of mine just like trying to sneak in like a hello and like not bother me while I was talking or something and just like whatever. But when I turned around, it was just some man. He was a joiner to the table that I was at. He made some lame joke, um, you know, about me and his game or whatever and you know it was a table of dudes they were his friends they all laughed like impressed with him like whoa um I'm sure they all thought at the time that it was somehow like okay because I wasn't like being a raging bitch about it or something I didn't like freak out on the guy but I want to like pause for a second and explain a little bit there because I'm sure some people are like excuse me like what do you mean you didn't like punch him in the face or why it didn't you at least like tell him to f off or anything but I need you to understand what I was used to as the expectation and standard for the industry and like my place in it at the time because I had been at my last restaurant for three years like the same place put a lot of time in I was well respected there I you know I was still only a host my entire time there largely by choice I declined you know the other opportunities but I was in charge of a lot there it was great I was really taught there like the old school the customer is always right I vividly remember this altercation with this guy who I had checked in um or he came in like kind of around happy hour like let's say like four o'clock and told me he had a reservation for later but he was going to go um, and have a drink at the bar. And I was like, okay, cool. And I know his reservation was like a very standard dinner time, like let's say 7.30 for him, his wife, and his daughter. Well, the wife and daughter come in, you know, let's say 
Um, they check in, they sit on one of her couches and I'd been doing my job for a couple hours. I was not thinking about this guy. I certainly assumed that if he was having dinner with his wife and like young daughter, that he didn't stay at the bar for like three hours. Evidently he had, and he was indignantly, righteously furious with me that I did not go and fetch him from the bar when they showed up. I remember this man in, you know, in the middle of this crowded, busy restaurant on like a busy weekend night, screaming at me, pointing his finger in my face, me as like a 20 year old young girl host. And I mean, it was awful. He used some very choice words. At one point, I couldn't even hold eye contact with him. I remember like staring at the floor as this man continued to just scream in my face when I was like, I I don't really know what you want me to do at this point. Like, I'm sorry. I like, I'm sure I didn't say it in this many words, but I certainly thought to myself, like it was, I had to have been like, I don't know, 2012 or something like around there. Like you had a phone Every, you could text like you clearly found out your wife was there somehow like why didn't you guys communicate like eh. I digress the point of that being that there at that restaurant where I was hostessing even though my manager when he and I talked about it later assured me I did nothing wrong that guy was an asshole whatever in real time though what he did was send them out an appetizer I'm pretty sure he like comped a bottle of wine or something, gave them a nicer table. He spent time at their table talking to them. Like he bent over backwards for these people that behaved absolutely abhorrently to me, even though he didn't even agree with them. I mean, that that is like the tone that was set for me that like it was my role in the industry as a worker to, you know, like not... <laughs> matter really I I don't want that to sound like overly extreme but like I mean yeah it was the customer's right you're always wrong um the company's gonna have their back because they want to make money like that that was just it so when I found myself in this scenario with that dude it had been years of crap like that and where I didn't get any support where I was completely just expected to deal with it like that's just an unfortunate side of the industry suck it up so I I did I just hated it but you know went behind the bar started building these these flights I mean I think I had like two trays because it was at that point five or six guys all doing beer flights so I mean there was just like a lot going on when fortunately one of my seniors at the time like immediately recognized even without speaking to me that I was just off and I did explain the interaction and feeling obviously uncomfortable and and kind of gross and I did not need to explain myself any further before my senior took the trays out of my hands threw them on the bar went and found a manager grabbed our door guy grabbed another senior We had some big guys there, which helped. Um, And they headed straight for the table. Those guys were not even given an opportunity to cash out. 
They were immediately told their behavior was completely wrong and inappropriate and unacceptable. They were told they were no longer welcome there. They were expelled from the tap room, like instantly. My manager walked me back to the break room. Um, He offered to let me go home. He asked if I wanted them to involve the police because it was sexual harassment. I mean, it was thoroughly handled in two minutes flat. I ended up choosing to finish my shift and just like drop it and move on. I didn't want to like feel like a victim, um, which is a very cyclical and frustrating phenomenon that I know a lot of industry people and women in general are going to relate to, you know, feeling gross and mad and scared and anxious in a moment. And also later on being mad at yourself that you didn't do XYZ, say that, whatever. But we can get way deeper into that in a later episode. I'm sure I could make a whole series of it. Uh, Moral of this story is Founders was not the customer is always right kind of place. Not in those days anyway. I certainly hope that that is still true. My Founders family fully supported one another. And although I have worked with some really, really great people since then, I have never felt as safe as I did working behind that bar. Alas, life happened. And my husband and I made a move from Grand Rapids, Michigan to Nashville, Tennessee, baby. My first gig down here was at this bumpin' tequila place uh, located in the Gulch during its pre-COVID era heyday. It was like freaking Vanderpump rules in there. The drama, the pretty people, the partying. I was consistently scheduled two 15-hour double clopens back-to-back, Fridays and Saturdays, into Sunday brunches. If you're not familiar with a clopen, you close one night and open the next morning. So you have like eight hours in between if you're lucky, like total. Mind you, you have to like get home and hopefully eat something and sleep and then wake up and get ready and drive to work. I was working Friday open, Friday close, Saturday open, Saturday close, Sunday brunch. Um, And when I would get like a quote break from my opening shift to my closing shift, I would not even finish my side work before being pulled back out onto the floor, let alone given an opportunity to like actually take a break, sit down, eat any food. It it was a lot of like stale stolen tortilla chips from the chip warmer kind of thing. It was a pretty jarring juxtaposition going from founders, my little like service industry bliss to that at the time. Needless to say, I hope (laughs) I did not stay long. I had guests regularly standing up out of their seats to scream in my face, you know, about their food, about their long wait for a table, which like side note on that one, like was legit crazy. I mean, it was certainly not my fault as their server, but it was absolutely insane. It was not well managed at the time. This place was hella popular. So like the wait time legitimately like on a Friday and Saturday was actually two to three hours long. And for tourists who I'm assuming when they're usually quoted like a wait time at home, they're usually not actually waiting that long. But like 
the host was not messing around. They were like, okay, it's going to be two and a half hours for a table. And it like legitimately was two and a half hours for a table. It was absolutely insane. So like, I get why they were mad. They were probably starving and they were definitely already drinking all day, which did not help. What else? I was cussed at for not serving someone um, alcohol, whether it be they didn't have a valid ID, um, their ID was expired, uh, they didn't have an ID with them at all, um, or telling them no to another round when they're clearly already drunk. Like, I need y'all to understand how intense the Tennessee ABC board is as well. Um, ABC, if you're not in the loop, um, Alcohol and Beverage Commission. Every state has, I think most of them are ABCs. If they're not the same acronym, they every state still definitely has like that range of government. And they are intense. And Tennessee in particular is like so crazy about their liquor laws and everything. And they regularly do stings and things. And so I need people to understand when your bartender is telling you no, like, you are a stranger to them. If they are not giving you a drink for whatever reason with your ID situation, here's what's all on the line. The establishment that they work at, their liquor license is on the line. Um, the establishment can be fined. Like, I think the average here is like 10 grand. Think about if they lost their liquor license, like how much that impacts a bar. Let's be real. They would have to close. That's where all the money comes from. As a individual, I can also be fined. I think um, I think the average personal here is like more like 5K. Um, there's potential for jail time, kind of like depending on the situation and probably like how you handle it, I'm going to guess, just knowing general things. And then I would also lose my like license to serve, my like ABC certification card, which also then means I am completely out of a job. Like even if my establishment chose to not fire me for something like that I I wouldn't be able to serve anybody alcohol I wouldn't be able to walk a drink from the bar to a table like my income at that point would be completely gone so that's why bartenders take it so seriously when like if they ID you and it's like for whatever reason it's not kosher like that's why (laughs) there's a lot on the line anyway I would watch men take off their wedding rings put them in their pockets I mean, like, not even subtly either. Like, it was just full on, like, at the bar, like, ring off in the pocket. And they would be going home with, you know, a pretty, pretty 20-something that they met at the bar. And I saw more staff turnover there, like, in a matter of weeks than I had in the last, like, two years that I had been at Founders. So it was, like, the quintessential restaurant nightmare that they make movies out of, unfortunately. However, I am a loyal to a fault kind of person and probably more importantly, stubborn as hell. So I would have stayed there, um, miserable, but drowning in cash, um, but miserable. If it wasn't for a conversation that I had with my husband, Josh, and an offer from a tall, lanky, bald man with a glorious beard. (laughs) I'll never forget after dinner one night, Josh and I were sitting on a bench eating some ice cream as we often do. uh, And he had gone real quiet after something that I said. And he finally looked at me like kind of sad and said, I feel like this job has made you so jaded. Like you sound like you hate people. 
And honestly, I remember at the time being like, well, yeah, they're awful. (laughs) But he's a good man, Savannah, a good man. And uh, we kept talking and he reminded me of the person he fell in love with and what my spirit really was. And I finally began to let go of the narrative of me being the problem of me not being strong enough to make it at that job. Um, It was time to let go. Um, Hint, if you missed it, the job was the problem. Not me. It was a bad job, (laughs) which they do exist. Um, Fortunately, soon after, we were at our own go-to spot down the road from where we were living at the time. Our favorite bartender was working. And as we got talking about current life, job, junk. (laughs) This motherfucker looked at me, laughed, smiled, and said, do you want a job? No. Mind you, I was mentally and emotionally thrown back to that girl in Grand Rapids who was too scared of all the things she didn't know, too intimidated to risk taking the next step. Fortunately, Josh recognized my flailing and fumbling and just said, yes, yes, she would like the job. That opportunity changed my life, honestly. Uh, It may sound small and insignificant to many of you. Big deal. You're going to bartend. Kind of sounds like you were already bartending, right? But um, hindsight is 20-20, and I can mark that as the first step I took, really stepping into my own, breaking the pattern of passively participating in life and actually being who I wanted to be. Founders was all beer. We did a lot of cool shit with beer. Great education. They made sure myself and anyone front of house was Cicerone certified, level one. But I had never made a cocktail like I had at home, like awful, <laughs> knowing what I know now, like really bad cocktails. And this bar had a wall of whiskey, well over 100 bottles. Um, <laughs> beyond my college era of drinking ratchet, chilled fireball shots and makers on the rocks because I thought I was some badass bitch, <laughs> I could not have told you a thing about whiskey. The bartender who hired me and took me on as his mentee took me under his wing. He'd been making us the craziest drinks for weeks, like all all the fun shit, lighting stuff on fire, smoking glasses, rolling cryptic spirits. I mean, with the attention of a magician. And every last one was served on a cocktail napkin with a two finger push and a cheers. I didn't think I can hang there. It is funny looking back at that time now. That was about four years ago and some change. And now I feel like a walking encyclopedia of whiskey, <laughs> giving uh, full-on TED Talks to guests at our bar. Um, I create entire seasonal cocktail menus. I manage a team. I've built that team. I've built a culture. We have... We have regulars that live out of state that come see us regularly because they want to be at our bar. 
I've had some of the highest highs and some of the lowest lows at this bar. Learning, you know, reminder, stubborn as hell. So learned learned a fair amount of things the hard way, unfortunately. But I've learned more than I know what to do with. And I don't want to just sit with it any longer. I want to give it back 10 times the way it was given to me. I think that's what we're here for. I think that's what I'm here for, um, to give back, not just to take and consume and hold on to things. The conversations I get to be a part of, um, tasting products for placements and builds and promotions and hosting events and all of that are so much fun and so rewarding to me. And if you guys like being a part of them half as much as I do and as my regulars do, uh, then we're at the start of another wild ride. Now, all of my episodes here will finish with bonus content at the end where we will make a cocktail together or go through a tasting experience of what my guest and I were drinking during the recording of that episode. As bartending is my home in this industry, uh, you're going to meet a lot of fellow bartenders, a lot of different styles and backgrounds. Um, I will be bringing on some of my reps and brand associates. And when I can convince Back of House Baddies to join me, I will absolutely share their stories with you. Although I'll remind you, they're typically not guest facing for a reason. So it'll probably be pretty difficult to get many on here. Um, we're going to talk about what we love and what we loathe. Um, we'll get into all the nitty gritty of this industry, all the funny stories, all the harsh realities, the beautiful gifts. You'll get to hear all of it. But this isn't just some place to vent on a public platform, I promise. I'm giving passionate people a place to revel in their areas of expertise. Uh, I know people who have spent years learning the history of a single spirit, finding new ways to highlight its different qualities, finding ways to promote it to people, to make it more palatable, uh, to make it exciting to somebody who otherwise wouldn't care. Some of you may know a great cocktail when you taste it. A few of you have may even experienced a truly excellent one. But I want to share with you what goes into making that. You're going to learn why it works, why you love it, uh, because we create for you. That We are here for your experience. And those of us who have fallen madly in love with this industry want the experience to be impactful. I want this experience to also be impactful. Thank you for starting this journey with me. I hope you get something out of it. I know I will. Cheers, everybody.